This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. This was on Friday, and it was still like kind of snowing, and um, I, I seen maybe like five cars in the ditches when I was on the highway. Yeah, it was bananas. Yeah, people were crashing all over town all weekend. <laughs> crashing all over town. Just, just crashing and getting drunk and doing nonsense. Yeah, that is crazy. Wow, we live in a crazy world. Do you have anything? Do you want to elaborate more on that, or do you have anything else? Um, no, I don't think I'm gonna go into any of it yet. Okay. Once we figure out what happened with these murders, then we right. can. I'm just more curious about the guy being naked outside. Like that scene is complex. It seems like he was having fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was hot in the house. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe there's something involved more than alcohol. Right, yes. That's where my mind went, too. Because I know, like, in D.C., where they have a huge PCP problem, people, when they do PCP, they get naked. Hmm. Have you ever seen this? No. You should look it up. <laughs> I don't think I want to see a bunch of random people naked. They, like, get naked and jump on the hoods of cars and stuff. Oh, wow. No, I I don't think I'm going to be looking into that, but that's really interesting. <laughs> now I'm going to be sending you clips and I'm bored. <laughs> and it's always like the people you don't want to see naked too. It's oh, never, always. It's never somebody that's like, oh, okay. It's always like people that you just, you're like, I couldn't. Like, I why? Yeah, exactly. Why are you ever naked? Yeah. 
<laughs> We're not coming for you. No. Unless you're like using PCP and getting naked randomly, then we might need to help you. Just don't do it in front of me and then we're all good. We will we will try to help you. Sure. That's... I'll bring you a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that in Wisconsin, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So this isn't Wisconsin related, but it is uh, true crime related. It happened okay. on the 10th of this month. Um, so five black Memphis cops beat unarmed Tyree Nichols um, to death for about three minutes. Yeah. Um, so basically he was described at because there was obviously body cam footage of it as being mm-hmm. like a like a human pinata for the cops. That's how badly they were going at him. That's how badly he was beaten. All recorded. Um, and it was called uh, appalling, deplorable, heinous, violent, troublesome, um, all by the attorney for the Nichols family after reviewing the, the footage which must have been so awful. I don't know if, if that um, happened to my family member. I don't think I could stomach that. No, I can't even watch it. And No, I, I definitely don't no. want to. I know no. that they're, they are going to release it. And they I know have. Yeah. They have? Okay. Yeah. And they are, you know, if you're going to watch it, um, there are a lot of warnings to if you, I mean, I don't know who would want to watch it, honestly. It's just a lot. And for no reason. So... For three minutes, five officers punched, kicked, and tased Tyree, um, placed him in a patrol car, and did not give him any medical aid. Just let him sit there, basically just fighting for his life. And <clears throat> it was just really, they claimed that it was for him trying to run from them, but like, why would you beat some, why would you all gang up on him? Why wouldn't you? you know get a hold of him if he was running from you and then just place him why would you need to beat him i don't know apparently they think that this is appropriate like police behavior is when people don't listen to you you just get to punch them and kick them and hit them with batons and that is definitely not in the use of force policy because i have read a lot of them right there's no way that that's acceptable and how do you sit there behavior and i think he he wasn't like a big giant guy that they couldn't a couple of them couldn't have gotten him no he was a little in cuffs and also my thing is like you know who he is right he's not actively committing a violent crime right and he does get away what's the worst thing that's gonna happen he's not like on a shooting spree right he was not threatening at all yeah so the five officers were fired and charged with aggravated assault, um, kidnapping, second degree murder, and official oppression. Um, reports indicate that Nichols uh, was accosted by officers just yards away from his house. Um, his last words were cries for his mother's help, which just breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, that's basically the sum of that. Uh, it, like I said, if you are for some reason wanting to watch the video, I really caution you. 
Yeah. I, when I watch those videos and I can't get images out of my head. And the, the screaming for your mom. Yeah, my sister just... and I were just talking about that when I was on my way over here. And she's like, I read that part of the article and that was too much. It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. It brings me back to uh, the Moore's murders. I, I hate that I ever listened to that recording. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar, if you guys are familiar with that. It's like the the case that has really haunted me. But the little girl is crying for her mom and they just don't even care. Yes. Anytime that somebody's calling for their mom, I, it, it even it's choking me up right now because I can't even think about it. Yeah. So, but that's it for my um <clears throat> my little tidbits at the, at the beginning. Okay. All right. Today I am going to talk about the case of Baby Teresa. My sources today are NBC15.com and KBTX.com. So on April 29th, 2009, along Lone Road near the village of Teresa, a deceased baby was found. Because the baby was unidentified, the investigators working on her case started calling her Baby Teresa to give her an identity. So they named her after the village where they found her. That is... I cannot believe I've never heard of this. No. No. Not it was reading recent, any... too. Wow. Well, 2009. I don't know why that feels like last week. <laughs> That's not, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> well, because I guess the case has been ongoing. So. Right. Okay. So the investigators on the case, case were working diligently to try to identify the child and her family members because they really wanted to lay her to rest with her family there. They didn't right. want her to be all alone. But at the time, they were unable to determine who baby Teresa was or who her family was. So on May 11th of 2009, baby Teresa was laid to rest without anyone knowing her true identity. But the Dodge County community did come out and show their respect and ensure that baby Teresa wouldn't be alone. That is wonderful. Yeah. And I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, because it's so sad. Just yeah. a little baby with nobody. So, 10 years later, after the baby was found, the Dodge County Medical Examiner's Office approached the Sheriff's Department with an idea to send the DNA to a lab. They said, hey, we want to get this into DNA analysis and see what we can come up with. There have been significant advances to see if we can find some kind of next of kin. And... Fortunately, the medical examiner's office had some extra money that they could use to do this. Oh. And I thought it was nice that they were still thinking about it 10 years later. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? I still want to solve this. It's been 10 years. Right. So the police were like, yes, let's do whatever we need to do. Let's get this done. And after that, they had to start working hard going through the genealogy. What they did is they used the DNA collected at the crime scene and like things that were left with the baby, like the baby's blanket and stuff, and they sent it to Family Tree DNA, which is a DNA testing site, which is kind of like Ancestry DNA. It lets you learn more about your family history and heritage. Right. And so apparently the police utilized this place as well. So they sent the DNA there, and then they worked with the company, working through different DNA, working through different leads, because if you don't have any idea of where someone comes from, you're going to get like a million matches. And then you have to try to like figure out like, how does this fit into making a person? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like that's 
that's it's, gotta be it's a crazy process yeah like i don't know if you've ever seen the dna lady it used to be on abc i don't remember what it's called but she was she's like the genealogy expert and that's just what she does she helped track down some of the biggest criminals doing that but she is just like i don't her mind works in this crazy way where she can be like well you have this much relation on this side and then this person does too so this has to be your grandparent that sounds like a lot of math and yeah it is a lot of math and just like a lot of puzzle solving Mm, and it's very interesting i i'm that's not one of my strong suits (laughs) at all so no good for her right and she made a career out of it she did she's really good at it because she's just like a magician she's like this goes here and this goes here and this goes here and i'd be like whatever you say (laughs) yeah like okay So through this DNA process and going through the genealogy with the company, investigators were able to track down a name and they got the last name of Lutinen after years and years of searching. And some of the DNA that was discovered belonged to a close female relative that investigators assumed was the child's mother. Okay. So the website matched Dodge County investigators with dozens of names of potential family members. And that's the thing in a lot of these cases, you might not get the actual person, but you get close enough that you can narrow it down. Okay. So as the last name Lutinen appeared on the site, the police found a Corinne Lutinen in Milwaukee, and she willingly gave her... DNA to the investigators and it was a match. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That is some magic right there. Right. And after further interviews, Lutinen was named the sole suspect even though she had never entered her DNA into the genealogy website. So some people have a problem with the police using DNA websites because let's say I killed someone and I've never given up my DNA, but my third cousin has. Now all of a sudden you found me through their DNA and people have privacy concerns with that. If you can't do the time, don't do the crime. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'm all for privacy, but at the same time... We don't live in a world of privacy. I don't think that don't. people like understand that. And you know what? People, the The government can get your DNA regardless if you submit it or not like if you anything that you dispose of that is considered trash that you throw in the trash hey Mm -hmm. they can scoop it up and it's fair game so like really there isn't anything that's off limits we're being monitored at all times yeah uh, by every means so the they're listening right now yeah exactly And privacy is kind of an illusion at this point. It is. It really is. Yeah. There's cameras everywhere. There's listening devices. Yeah. There's... Hello, Alexa. Right. (laughs) And like you said, anything you throw out, they can get your DNA off of. They can go through your garbage and see, like, where you shop and what you do. When you scan your little shopper's card things, they keep track of your purchases. Absolutely. And it's just... Facebook listens to everything you say. (laughs) To think that there is any sort of privacy is just uh, a comfort that people keep, which is not true. Yeah. So when investigators first made contact with Corinne, they also made contact with her long-term boyfriend, whose name has not been released in the information I found, and he was never charged or anything, so we wouldn't tell you anyways. Mm -hmm. So... 
At the time, they both agreed to submit to DNA swabs, and this was compared to, like I said, the things that had been left with the baby and the baby itself. And they determined that the pair were most certainly the child's parents. In a phone call, authorities informed Corinne's boyfriend that he was likely the father, to which he expressed repeated surprise. He did not know she was even having a baby. How do you hide a whole baby? How do you hide a pregnancy? I guess some people do. People do. Baggy sweatshirts. Yeah, but... Are you wearing your sweatshirt when you have sex or you're not having sex with your partner anymore? I always understand when it's like outside people, but the either pretending to be having a baby or pretending not to be having a baby when with your partner always confused me. Like you guys aren't intimate at all, like cuddling anything. You never see them naked. Maybe they're just heavier set. Maybe. Because have you seen those uh videos of like I didn't know I was pregnant until I was having my baby yeah yeah I mean it happens all the time and like they're they're probably still having sex because they don't think anything is happening yeah but to me it's like how do you not know like what's going on with your body I I don't know it blows my mind Mm -hmm. I think you have to be in denial right (laughs) it's stomach cramps (laughs) no that's a baby your baby is kicking you like I could (laughs) I'm little, I guess, but when I was having my daughter, I could see her whole print of her foot sticking out of my stomach. There yeah. was no denying a child was there. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, you've got to see that when, even if you aren't tiny like you, right? Yeah, like your whole stomach shaking. Like my stomach used to be shaking. Like I oh had an alien God. inside of me. Yeah, that's freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So. After this happens, Corinne was told that she was the mother on the same phone call, and all she said was, okay. Wow. So five years after baby Teresa died, the district attorney's office filed a charge against the DNA profile believed to belong to the mother. So they didn't know at the time that it was Corinne that had the baby and disposed of the baby but they still went ahead and charged it without a name they just charged the dna profile because otherwise the statute of limitations would be up okay smart okay yep and so that way they were allowed to prosecute corinne now that's what they should do for anything that they think may not pan out yeah if cases have a statute of limitations they can do that like rape cases and stuff like that in some cases they do good yeah they should always not Mm -hmm. just when they feel like it (laughs) right but we also don't have any district attorneys in wisconsin right now so that's a whole other thing (laughs) yay yep yeah fun stuff so both corinne and her boyfriend claimed to not know she was pregnant Corinne told investigators she thought she may be pregnant, but she was in denial. Then she said towards the end of the pregnancy, she thought she knew for sure she was pregnant, but her mind could not grasp the concept. I, 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 I let's don't just answer what we just talked yeah. about before, because yeah. I don't see how that's logical or how you don't feel that there's a human inside of you. I, I don't know either. But eventually, baby Teresa was born, and 
Um, but here's what happened. And the Dodge County Medical Examiner stated that the autopsy performed when they found the baby did not find any evidence that the child had been murdered. Instead, the investigators determined her death was the cause of fetal demise, which means she died before she was born or during childbirth. Okay. Okay. That makes so sense. So it was like a stillbirth. Right. Right. And the mom panicked. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I can see that's a, that's a, a lot to take in. First, you, you don't know you're pregnant, then you're giving birth. Yeah. And then you're, you're giving birth and then the baby is dead. Yeah. All like at birth. That is just a, a whole lot to process. A whole lot. So when the medical examiners spoke with Corinne, they decided based on the evidence and her version of events, the cause of death would remain. So they did not charge her with reckless homicide. They just charged her with um, disposing of a corpse. So on September 16th of 2022, she was sentenced and she was sentenced to one and a half years incarceration and two years of extended supervision but that time was stayed which means she doesn't have to serve it right now right now she has to do three years of probation which means she had six months in jail and then she had to get a five thousand dollar fine a mental health assessment and follow through with recommendations 60 hours of community service aoda and any other treatment determined by the Department of Corrections. And then she had to pay supervision, court costs, and these things. As long as she's successful on probation, she won't have to go to prison. But if she does mess up on probation, she will be going straight to prison. I think all of these things are kind of good trade-offs. I Yeah. I think that her giving back to the community is great. Mm -hmm. And, like, if she didn't intentionally kill this baby, then, I mean, it it was out of her hands. Yeah. And, like I said, she was already having to process a lot of things anyways. Maybe she, that was the best that she could do at that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope she follows through with everything. Yeah. And And I hope she's getting the help that she needs because. That part, yeah. I mean, the whole thing had to be so traumatic, and then she hid it for so long. You know, right. it was 13 years before they caught up with her. That and, is crazy. And she's just like, okay. And she's just living with it. Yeah. So she had to know any day this could come back. That's got to be a stressful way to live. Right. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. What a story. Great job. Thank you. Wow. All right. This is something good or something bad. This is going to (laughs) be, this is going to be tragic. Oh no. All right. So in Green Bay, Wisconsin, on a warm spring night at a concert uh, held at a bar called The Watering Hole, a young couple were in attendance on the night out on the town. So it was 31-year-old Nicole. She went by Nikki uh, Vander Heerden. She was a mother of three, and Douglas, yeah, he went by Doug Dietrich. Um, we're out drinking, have a good, having a good time, soaking in their night out together while they had a sitter at home. You know, just aren't really able to go out with three kids anymore, so they were just like, let's do it up. 
So Nikki was apparently getting a little bit more intoxicated than the rest of the group um, that came with her and Doug. And after the concert, they went to another local Green Bay bar called the Sardine Can. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with any of these bars. Are you? No, I don't go out in Green Bay. Yeah, me neither. Um, but that is when Doug said he wanted to catch up with a separate group and mm-hmm. left this original group, which was including his girlfriend. Which is weird. Yeah, it's not the best move to do. Like, Don't it's leave your drunk girlfriend. Kind of an asshole thing to do, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> so she continued to have a fun night and dance the night away. She was letting loose, which I don't blame her. She just gave birth and she was dedicating all of her time to her newborn son. Yeah. Obviously, she had two additional kids as well. So she she's in full mom mode. Right. She needed a break. Yes. So eventually she did start getting irritated with Doug for leaving her with all of his friends. Like mm-hmm. you go out as a group. She doesn't even have any of her friends. It's all his friends. I'd be irritated, too. Yeah, like, why did you just leave me? Where did you go that was more important than being with me? Exactly. So she eventually started to text him. And she would text him things like, which bitch do you want? And (laughs) fuck you, abusive asshole. And you hurt me all the time. And... You just admit you love whores. (laughs) So she was just really, you know, the combination of alcohol and maybe some underlying issues that the couple already had surfaced. Yeah. And she just let him have it over text. Yeah. Newborn baby hormones, alcohol, relationship problems. Really happens to the best of us. I know I've been there. There's no judgment. And it it just happens. Like, it's just everything boils up when you have Mm -hmm. alcohol in you. I love the, you just love horse. You just love horse. I'm pretty sure I've said that before. (laughs) Right. I'm pretty sure everybody has said that. So Nikki and the group she was with walked to the patio area and hung out there for a little bit. Um, But literally out of nowhere, Nicole got up and left the patio area of the sardine can and just was never seen again. Yeah. And if you take a look at the surveillance footage, it shows that one of her friends even tried to stop her um, before she tried to. She literally just like popped up and was like, I got to I'm leaving. Yeah. And she was just like kind of was on a mission to leave. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to stop her because she actually was getting like a little like don't touch me Mm -hmm. and you know how people get when they want to do something but you're saying no it's not a good idea there's no reasoning right when you're drunk and you want to go you want to go you're right and i really want to beg and plead with people do not let your friends wander off drunk it is just so unsafe i don't know this friend really tried yeah and it's hard to to be that no you're actually going to stay here and you know be a part of the group but sometimes you can avoid situations like this right so on may 21st 2016 a green bay farmer called 911 after discovering something so horrible on the 911 call the operator received a phone call from the farmer that stated we just found a human body laying in some weeds end quote the operator said 
or asked, is the person beyond help or do I need to give you instructions for CPR? And the caller stated, no, it's beyond help. It's starting to decay. Uh, the operator responded with, is it a male or a female? And the caller said, it's got long hair, but I didn't go near it, which is totally fair. I, yeah, would, I would not be either. super freaked out. The body, upon discovery, was unrecognizable. Just yeah. decayed, and the condition that the body was in was just... I mean, if, even if it was found day one, it probably would have been kind of hard. Yeah. Only having a sock on each foot and a pink-colored event bracelet on the wrist, um, that's how the body was found. Mm -hmm. And the body, specifically the face, was black and blue. So you can only imagine what this person went through. Additionally, the body also had 241 injuries, leaving it in really terrible condition and later on it was determined that the body found on in a Bellevue field was that of Nicole Nikki uh, Vander Heerdian. So Brown County Sheriff Sergeant Richard Lopnow stated there was trauma to her neck that would indicate possible strangulation and in addition to lacerations and bruising throughout her body her fingernails were damaged indicating or indicative of defensive wounds that tells us that she was fighting for her life end quote so she poor thing yeah and just because she wanted to go out and have a night where she didn't have to take care of kids around the clock, just needed a break. Yeah. This is what happens. I can relate. Three hours after the body was discovered, a call to another 911 operator. Literally three hours. This this part was, like, kind of weird, but we'll talk about it later. Okay. So... A call to another 911 operator was received with the caller asking, how do I go about filing a missing persons report? And the caller was determined to be Douglas, uh, Nikki's boyfriend. So during the phone call, um, he asked, or he also stated, it's my girlfriend and she does live with me and she's never done this before. Shortly after a police officer arrived at the residence of uh, Doug Dietrich following up on the missing persons report. So they hadn't put two and two together yet. So they were responding to that and they didn't know who was in the ditch. Right. um, Because that took a little bit of time. Right. So they were looking around and investigators thought that Doug was suspicious and they zeroed in on him initially as a suspect. Of course, always. Right. This is where I'm saying like the call was a little bit, the timing of it was just not in his favor. Right. Like three hours after the body was discovered. That does not look good. No. But had they announced that a body had been discovered? No. Okay. No. Okay. He was taken into custody and they interviewed him and he stated as the night progressed, they had been consuming alcohol and Doug had ran into some friends from high school that he had not seen in a while. Uh, he also confirmed that Nikki was mad because she was, she saw Doug talking to another female at the watering hole. And this is basically what set her off. Right. 
I mean, it would have set me off back in the day when I had issues myself. Yeah, and when you have a bad relationship to begin with. And and, alcohol is in the mix. And she's probably feeling insecure because she just had a baby. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of things. I don't blame her for freaking out. No. It's not the best way to handle your problems. If you're in a relationship that makes you, like, come out of character too often, then reevaluate your relationship. I love that you say that. I love that you say that because I feel like a lot of people always look to the other person and they are always like, well, this person does this to me and then that, but like, you really have to evaluate yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're not being true to who you are in this relationship, then what are you doing? Right. I love that. Thanks. So the police thought that this is their guy. Okay. Obviously they got into a fight and this is, mm-hmm. was like out of a fit of a rage, basically is how right. they were spinning it. Uh, police were concerned that Doug was seen on the sardine cans video footage hanging out until 2.15 p.m. without looking for Nikki. Mm-hmm. Also not a good sign. Right. Nikki's family also told them that he had been abusive towards her in the past and that he has prior domestic violence claims against him. Mm-hmm. They got a search warrant for the shared home, which raised even more eyebrows. Um, blood was found on the floor of the garage and in Nikki's car and the, their curb and their lawnmower. Huh. Also clumps of blonde hair was discovered in the house. She had blonde okay. hair. Okay. So, they were like, this is it. This is the guy. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. And, everywhere. Uh, <laughs> blood everywhere. Um, so he sat in jail for 18 days. Okay. But there was little evidence that definitively pointed to him. In mm-hmm. fact, his Fitbit backed up his story that he had been, uh, he had not been active in the middle of the night um, when the crime took place. It showed that he only walked 12 steps and was sleeping between about 2.45 a.m. when he arrived home and 6.30 a.m. when he got up to feed their baby. He probably just thought she was mad. She went with somebody else, like one of her friends or something, to be angry, and she was going to come home eventually. Right, yeah. And, like, she was texting him all night very mad. Right. So that does make sense to me. Uh, he was, he wasn't driving Nikki's car either. He had left his own car at the water and cold and Nikki's car was not used at all the night that she died. So whatever they found in her car, whatever blood it had happened Mm -hmm. was just beforehand. And you know, like I'm sure there's blood in my house that like I accidentally caught myself or whatever. And you can't just like little specks of blood. I live here, you know, like what am I, I'm not supposed to bleed. (laughs) Yeah. And I definitely shed hair everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> like, mine is terrible, too. Yeah. Like, my hair is everywhere. You can't just come in a woman's house and be like, there's hair everywhere. Right. Obviously. Yeah. So, authorities also looked into the location data from Doug's phone, and it corroborated his statements. And he was then taken out of jail and never charged. After more investigating, DNA evidence was recovered from her body and from bloody clothing found along the side of the road about a mile from where her her body was discovered that belonged to Nikki. Okay. Because remember, when she was found, she was only wearing socks. Okay, so whoever killed her threw her clothes out on the side of the road, too. Right. The lab was so backed up that it took 10 submissions to find out that there 
or any DNA matches. Oh, our labs are extremely backed up all the time. And I just love that the investigators were like, hit it again, hit it again. Like, let's just, I really need to find out what happened to this woman, this mother of three that went out for one night and never came home. Right. While they waited for Nikki's autopsy report, um, it came back, which confirmed that she was strangled and hit in the head along with potentially being sexually assaulted. The DNA was analyzed and linked to, this is super random, a Virginia man by the name of George Stephen Birch, who was 44 years old. Okay. So can't deny DNA. Like, if it's on it, like, that is the person you have to look into. Yeah. And I I love that a lot of people call DNA Dana. Like, (laughs) we're going to go get Dana. (laughs) Um, so authorities brought George into custody and charged him with Nikki's brutal murder. While investigating George, they found he had been interviewed by the police department on June 8th about an unrelated hit and run accident, a stolen vehicle report and a car fire. Wow. He's busy. He is a lunatic. (laughs) (laughs) In the course of that investigation, to prove that he couldn't be involved, he claimed to have been texting a woman from a bar on the night in question and offered to let the Green Bay police uh, review his phone records to prove it. Why can't you text and commit crimes at the same time? Why can't you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a really bad excuse. Like, I was texting, so... Right. I do everything while I'm texting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can look at you in text. Yeah. I don't even have to look at my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the stupidest excuse I ever heard. So they cloned his phone per department policy and returned it to him. Oh. So. That's. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't want my phone cloned. It, they'll clone it. So when the Brown County Sheriff's Department came calling in August, the Green Bay police had a a record of everything on his phone uh, less than three weeks after Nikki's murder. Those records combined with uh, records that obtained uh, directly from Google placed George at a bar called Richard Craniums, which is close to the sardine can until Saturday morning. Yeah. Google will tell the police your location. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I'm saying like privacy is a myth. Yeah. You can turn it all off, but they're still tracking you. Unless you have a flip phone that doesn't have any of that. I don't even think they flip phones do that anymore either. Unless maybe you get like a jitterbug, but the flip phones they make now even have like YouTube and stuff on them. Oh, no shit. Yeah, because I tried to do that to my kids when they were in trouble. Right, that makes sense. They could still get on the internet. Oh. All right. Yeah. Okay, so... Then his phone data put him outside of Nikki and Doug's home from around 3 a.m. until 3.15 at the farm where Nikki's body was found just before 4 a.m. and at the spot where her clothes were found around 4.05 a.m. And finally at his own house. Um, so at... February 19th, 2018, at the trial, George took the stand in his own defense. I don't know why people that are put on trial go and, you know, testify on their own defense. It rarely works. They love to do it, though. They do. They argue. And and they look a fool. They yeah. don't. Nobody believes you. 
which and they never listen like you prep them right prep them and prep them of what like these are the things you shouldn't say these are the things you shouldn't say they always fuck it up right i don't know i don't get it i don't know why people do that but i I mean i'm glad that this guy did it so right he testified that he and nikki met at the bar and they started flirting so he brought her back to her own house to have consensual consensual oh my god consensual sex (laughs) first of all tell me why a woman would want to bring a strange man to a home where your three kids are and Mm -hmm. potentially your boyfriend is going to be at so you can fuck right in front of your boyfriend like how does that make any sense it doesn't i would never he claimed that they started having sex in his car and that doug came out because now doug is involved even though we already determined that he was dead ass asleep right pass the fuck out yeah came out of the house running and hit him over the head with a gun that knocked him out. Hmm. He claimed that he woke up and Nikki was dead and that Doug forced him to to dispose of Nikki's body and that he had no part in anything else since he was unconscious. Oh. Prosecutors were like, fuck that and fuck you. They (laughs) They painted a different picture. Um, They stated that George was a regular at Richard's Cranium Bar. Uh, The two probably did start talking you know Mm -hmm. she just walked away all angry she sat down all by herself and she probably just wanted to bitch and vent and yeah i mean we've all been there yeah um and then he offered her a ride home at bar clothes and she was all alone and drunk so she said Mm -hmm. yes yep they arrived in front of her home and he wanted to have sex with her but she refused so he attacked her just remember how many injuries she had to her body yeah that is not just a that that is an angry person yeah so after raping her he strangled her with a phone cord and when she fell out of the car he he stomped on her back and head and which ultimately killed her uh the jury found george not credible (laughs) imagine that and found him guilty of first degree intentional homicide he was sentenced to life in prison without eligibility of parole by Judge John Zukowski, who called the crime the most brutal murder committed by one person in the history of Brown County. Of course, George appealed his conviction on grounds that his Fourth Amendment rights were violated when a judge allowed location data from his phone to be used as evidence at his trial. But he gave them his phone. Right, and he they asked, and, you know, per policy... They cloned it and gave it back, so it's not like they did anything illegal. No, he volunteered it. If you don't want police to search you, don't consent. Right. He also argued that the court should not have allowed data from Doug's Fitbit to be presented at the trial without also showing experts to testify about the technology's reliability. Fortunately, people aren't stupid and know how Fitbits work. Right. And... I'm sure that they explained how it worked. Like, that he was not moving from this time to this time. He got up at this time. Like, yeah. what's, what, why do you need, like, a tech, an IT guy to testify to that? I don't know. Um, and... June 2021, the Wisconsin Supreme Court upheld his conviction, and he is currently serving his sentence at the Wisconsin Secure Program Facility. And that which means he is not being a great person, that he has to be in the Secure Program Facility. I love that you know that, because I did <laughs> not know what that meant. <laughs> yeah, that's 
that's where the di- bad people yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the story really hit close to home because when I used to drink, I, I remember putting myself in really compromising situations like this. Mm-hmm. I was too intoxicated. Too intoxicated. I was belligerent. I walked off on my own countless times. Me I don't too. even know. And I would talk to strangers who may have not had the best intentions for me, but somehow, like, by the grace of the universe, nothing bad had ever happened to me. I don't right. know how that that didn't. Yeah. But this is this is what the worst case scenario. Right. Um, yeah, because that used to be my favorite thing to do. I'd get drunk and get mad and disappear. Right. Nobody knew where I went. I, didn't, I wouldn't tell anyone I was leaving. I wouldn't tell anyone where I was going. I would just be done with the situation. Exactly. And I feel like you don't, you yourself don't even know where you're going or right. where you're going to end up. You're just it's out like, of I'm there. I'm gone. Exactly. So if you are out drinking, please don't let your group members stray away. Even if it causes a fight, have a designated driver or Uber in place. Let people know where you're going. Watch your drinks. And most importantly, don't go home with people you don't know. I've fought my friends so many times when they've been drunk with them trying to go home with people they don't fucking know. Right. And I'm, I'm literally to the guys. I'm like, I will fight you if you keep trying to convince my friend to go home with you. Like, what right. are you doing? Right. My friend doesn't know any better right now, but what the fuck are you doing? Right. Mm-mm, don't no don't <laughs> so i know it's difficult when alcohol is involved but it can make a huge difference and this is not in any way victim blaming no like i said i've been yeah nikki mm-hmm. and i was just fortunate enough to not have encountered anything like this so no judgment um no one deserves to be murdered and nobody deserves to be brutally raped under any circumstances right and that is the tragic death of Nikki Evander Herodin. Great job. <sighs> that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. I, when I first was reading this, I'm like, the boyfriend, the boyfriend, he's such an asshole. But then I'm like, wow, for the first time, it's not the boyfriend or the husband or whatever. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Like, You can be an asshole, but not a murderer. Yeah, absolutely. You can be an abusive boyfriend and still not be the murderer. Absolutely. And everything was pointing this is a to lesson him. for the police. <laughs> For every yeah, for everybody, <laughs> just like it may look a certain way, but yeah. like pe- just keep your everything open and have your spidey senses kick into what's actually happening, not what you want to happen. Right, and that's I think one of the hard things about a lot of these cold cases are that people think, well, it's got to be so and so, it's right. got to be this person, it's got to be that person, and eventually a lot of them are solved, and it's somebody that was never on the radar. Like in this case, he didn't have any connection to I was, her. I know. I was gonna say like it is so awesome that we have DNA analysis, and that this dumb fuck was mm-hmm. not careful and was belligerent because he fucked himself. Yeah. Um, um, and both our cases were solved by DNA, and we didn't plan that again either. <laughs> I forgot to name my sources, so I'm going to do that quick. Okay. So this is the Green Bay Press Gazette, Oxygen, and Sportskedia.com. Okay. And that Great is job. It. Thank you. All right. So we love you guys. We love you. Bye.
All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.